if you say you don't know how to do a search on Google, mm. you'll be rejected out of hand. And then in a few years' time, if you don't know how to use basic AI tools like ChatGPT, you'll also be dismissed out of hand. So many burning questions. So little time. I'm Carol Afori, and this is the Carol Afori Podcast, where we answer all the questions that keep going around in circles in your head. And this time, we're asking, will artificial intelligence, and in particular, ChatGPT, take our jobs one day? ChatGPT has only been around for a few months, and it's already making many people uncomfortable, to say the least. And this is because it's believed that it could threaten some jobs, especially white-collar jobs. Now, I read an article on Business Insider that said the most threatened jobs are tech jobs like computer programmers, coders, and software engineers, as well as media jobs. Of course, that got my attention, such as advertising, content creation, technical writing, and journalism, as well as legal positions. And wait for this, even teaching. So because I work in the world of media, I had to find out more about the risks of this particular machine or this chatbot and get some clarity. So with me right now to unpack this is one man in South Africa who can unpack all of this. This is Mr. Arthur Goldstuck. And Arthur is an award-winning writer, analyst, and technology commentator. Arthur heads the World Wide Works Research Organization, leading groundbreaking market research into uh, how change is affecting business and society and also presents his findings and insights to audiences across the globe. Now, he publishes the online consumer technology magazine Gadget.co.za and is the author of 19 books. His weekly Gadgets column is the most widely syndicated technology column in South Africa and he also writes a weekly trends column for Business Times in the Sunday Times. So I'm really, really honoured and happy to have Arthur Goldstuck with me. Thank you so much for making time, Arthur. Thank you, Carol. It's an honor to be on your show. This is so exciting, but you got to help me because I am completely not versed when it comes to this world of AI, as most people are, and that's why I'm doing this. I guess let's begin with what is chat GPT and like what does the GPT even stand for? It stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. Aha. But that's just a very fancy way of saying generating text out of existing text. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what ChatGPT does. It's also known as a large language model, and the emphasis is on large. <laughs> and that means that it's been trained on a massive body of language that exists out there already. And essentially what they did was that they pulled all language, all text of the internet up to the end of September 2021. And they trained it on that text, and it is able to access all of that text and rearrange it in any sequence that a user requests. That's basically what it boils down to. So it's taking millions of lines of text, and it's allowing you to do a query that, in effect, lets it search that text and rearrange it in a format that is usable to you. And that means that in many cases, it's creating unique uh, content. But it's a very fancy way of describing an elaborate search hmm. on a very large uh, base of content by transforming it into an original piece of content. So I'll be honest, the first time I interacted or even saw the interface of ChatGPT 
was via my husband who, you know, tends to think he, he's very clued up in the internet and AI space. And I was quite amused at how it works. So it's, it, it's like a, a chatbot in some ways where, I mean, I, I asked it, for example, to, to write an Instagram post for me, bearing in mind this and that. And then it came up with this thing and it just wouldn't stop writing until I was <laughs> happy with some of the choices. Would that be a good description to somebody who doesn't understand it, that you feed it a question and it spits out the information and just doesn't stop spitting? Not quite. That would be if you, if, if you talk about um, when you ask it to generate content for you, but you can treat it as a pure search engine where you ask it for information. Mm. And instead of delivering a string of search results to you, which you still have to go and search through and find the one that's most meaningful, it will actually give you a summary of those uh, results. So, uh, again, it acts as a kind of vast uh, search engine, but it will spit out that content based on what you ask it to do. So if you say to it, please write a long article on this topic, it will. But if you just say write an article on this topic, it will be a much shorter article. I see. Uh, but it has a limit on the length of text that it produces. Right. So it's uh, really a question of how you prompt it, because the way you get ChatGPT and any other AI tool of that nature to produce content for you is to figure out the best way to prompt it. There are many new jobs being created, and one of the newest job descriptions in the world is a prompt engineer. <laughs> and that is someone wow. who figures out the best prompts to feed into these AI engines. Do you believe that we should all be mastering, you know, chat GPT and other new AI intelligence vibes? Yes. Um, if you go into a job today and you say you don't know how to use a web browser, they're going to think twice about hiring you. If you say you don't know how to use <laughs> Microsoft Word, for example, or you've never used it, they're going to also uh, think twice. In the same way, if you say you don't know how to do a search on Google, mm. you'll be rejected out of hand. And then in a few years' time, if you don't know how to use basic AI tools like ChatGPT, you'll also be dismissed out of hand um, wow. in terms of eligibility for a job. But these are very basic tools. It's just that it's so new to us. There were people who were running courses on how to use the World Wide Web. I mean, you wouldn't think today of, of going on a course to learn how to use it. It's second nature. Okay, that leads me to my next question. Everyone's kind of nervous about this this new... AI that is possibly going to be taking people's jobs. Would you say we should be scared or we should be embracing this? And if so, why? If you're in a certain kind of job, then you have to be scared. But then you should have been scared all along. So I've got good news and bad news. Which shall I give you first? Let's go with the bad news. <laughs> the bad news is that this has been a long time coming. I went into my archives to find when I gave a talk on this exact topic about AI taking over jobs, and it was actually in April 2019. So four years ago, I gave a talk to an organization called uh, Ort South Africa, uh, Organization for Rehabilitation and Training. Their main focus is on upskilling people for the future. Speaking to their audience, it was an audience that essentially uh, needed to understand the context in which they have to prepare for the future. I pointed to the number of AI startups that were receiving venture capital funding in December 2017 compared to December 2018. Mm -hmm. And in 2017, it was 2,029 startups getting $27 billion in funding. December 2018, it was 
2,365 AIs getting $48 billion in funding. The funding had almost doubled in a year. And my point there was, with that massive investment going into AI startups and the range of different kinds of startups across numerous categories of uh, computing meant that there was a massive wave that was going to break. It wasn't a question of if, it was a question of when. And that's essentially what we're seeing happening now. So it was a long time coming. And even then, there was research done into what jobs are likely to be automated. So what ChatGPT does, it automates a lot of work that involves content and uh, knowledge. Mm. Uh, So it's very specific in the kind of jobs it eliminates. Before we get into which jobs will be affected, uh, it's important to understand that this was a long time coming. Hmm. Um, It isn't overnight that these jobs are suddenly under threat. I think a lot of people are looking at the timeline as the date chat GPT went live, which was, you know, late November last year. People are using that as the benchmark to say, out of nowhere, now all of a sudden, you don't need a copywriter to write your script for you. Uh, You don't need, you know, a proofreader to do this and that, uh, which can be pretty, pretty scary, right, for a a country such as ours that is having a serious problem with unemployment. Exactly. And I'll I'll give you another uh, benchmark as well. I'm quite involved in the Professional Speakers Association of Southern Africa. And two years ago, I gave a talk to them and also to their European counterpart about artificial intelligence for speakers, how it'll change the speaking profession. And I made the point then that it won't replace speakers, but it will make the jobs a lot easier if they leverage it and they embrace it. And then I gave the same talk in April this year. So two years later, I gave the same talk. And I looked at how ChatGPT changed the messaging and the thinking behind it. And it actually hadn't changed it. So I brought ChatGPT in on two slides of this whole presentation to make it clear that it's been several years in the making. And already back then, a lot of what ChatGPT can do now was already possible then. It just wasn't as easy and it wasn't as accessible. You had to go looking for it and you had to understand what you were trying to do. Mm. Now it's like using Google. Wow. It's like using Google. I guess for someone, you know, they always say that it's something is a lot more scarier when you don't understand it, right? And I think the vast majority of people that are horrified by chat GPT and other AI forms that are coming into existence or into the space is not knowing enough about them. I loved what you said that as you go, everyone should be able to use these AI things as they'll become prerequisites. But I want to pick your brain about specifically South Africa. I did mention earlier that unemployment in this country is is sky high. And we've just recently learned again that we've had another climb. We are a country that needs to provide for the vast majority. Would this technology be to the detriment of the vast majority of the poor and people trying to find opportunities in South Africa? or vice versa? The vast majority of the poor won't even notice the impact on jobs of uh, this technology because the vast majority, when they go looking for work, tend to find work, if they do, in unskilled labor Mm -hmm. and usually manual labor. Mm -hmm. And that is not affected at all by AI. The only way AI affects it is by making businesses more efficient and able to do more with less. But that doesn't affect manual labor. Right. The one area where it will have a massive impact is on telemarketers. So contact centers in particular, which were seen as a big growth industry for South Africa 
when you listen to a telemarketer, and I had one yesterday phoning me, sometimes I speak to them just to see what their pitch is and how they're trying to convince me and how bad they are at trying to convince me. And it's actually shocking. They read from a script, basically. And anything that can be read from a script can be taken over by the eye. Hmm. Now, I think that's one element, telemarketers. But, I mean, the media space is definitely one under threat. I think of people like copywriters, right, and people who work in the creative space of writing, journalists. I saw an article that there was a, an entire publication that was using ChatGPT to write all of its articles and it was exposed uh, because it seems a major flaw in this is is possible plagiarism and that element of it. So surely, I mean, there are journalists studying now in varsity who possibly could be studying for nothing. No? If they're studying at varsity, it means they intend to operate at a fairly high level of uh, journalism. If they are producing the kind of content that can be replicated by AI, then they are not high-level practitioners of journalism. So what we certainly will see, without any doubt, is that low-level journalism Journalism that requires copy just to be churned out, that will be replaced by AI. Mm. But it will also be found out because you can tell when something is produced either by AI or someone who's got not a shred of creativity in them. The kind of work that uh, AI can't take over at this stage is work that requires creativity, decision-making, out-of-the-box problem-solving. Mm-hmm. AI can't do that. AI can only reproduce what's already there. Creative, out-of-the-box thinking, or ideas out of left field, ideas that come from sheer inspiration, AI can't do that. So a good writer or a writer who's got their own voice and who's got their own ideas and keeps pushing their envelope will not be replaced by AI. A writer who's simply what they call a hack, who churns out copy on demand, yes, they can quickly be replaced by AI Hmm. and they should be replaced by AI. So I guess here's my big question. Will ChatGPT take my job one day? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to know. (laughs) What you just did now is something ChatGPT can't uh, do. You laughed at your own joke. Uh, (laughs) ChatGPT doesn't even understand when something's funny or not funny. It's learn laugh. So... That laughter encapsulates the extent to which you're a human being and you've got a human response to the conversation. ChatGPT and its equivalents and the voice equivalents of it, etc., can produce a podcast. Hmm. And it will be it can produce it in a way that will be a novelty for a while and people will uh, l- listen to it, but eventually they'll drift away because it'll be monotonous it will maintain the same tone and the, and the same level of content as well. And the content won't be creative. Um, it won't be original. It might be informative, but that's as far as it'll go. Hmm, I love that. I think it paints a much clearer picture for, for someone like me who really didn't understand this space at all. I guess a big question is, I saw an Instagram post that I asked this chat GPT to write for me. And I won't lie, I looked at that post, I was like, this is actually better than what I was going to write. (laughs) How does one know the difference? How does one know when something is not original, Carol, and it's actually chat GPT? Sometimes you don't know, because let's say you want to say something, you know what you want to say, you put it down in words, but it's badly worded. 
you can put that into ChatGPT and ask it to rewrite it more eloquently. And that's actually still your content. It's just edited it for you. It's like someone writing a piece that the editor then gets their hands on and fixes it up. And that's absolutely legitimate. However, if you say to ChatGPT, write an introduction to my show for me, and then you just use that, that is not going to have the same creativity or edge to it because you want an edge to even your intro has to have some kind of edge uh, to it. If it's just something produced by ChatGPT from scratch, it's going to be very dull, standard, and boring. It doesn't have your comment, for example, this really scares me. Right. Um, so you don't see that in ChatGPT. A real person would say, this scares the hell out of me. Does it scare you too? <laughs> Ain't that the <laughs> truth? I think when you put it like that, it seems like AI is forcing us to be a lot more human. Otherwise, you just won't tell the difference anymore. Exactly, exactly that. Yeah. Now, listen, how would you explain the difference between Google and ChatGPT, for example? Because Google also has a whole lot of information, and so is ChatGPT. So Google will deliver search results to you from which you must choose which is the best result. Mm -hmm. ChatGPT will take those results analyze them and summarize them and deliver to you a piece of content explaining or answering your question. So ChatGPT will actually answer your question. A normal Google search will simply point you to the potential answers to your question. I see. Google has also now introduced their equivalent to ChatGPT called Google Bard, B-A-R-D, which uh, is in some ways better than ChatGPT. When they first launched it, it was quite a disaster. It wasn't a launch to the public. It was um, only to pre-testers, but they tried to advertise it by giving a live demo of it, finding an answer to a question and got the answer wrong completely. So it was very embarrassing. And Google's share price actually plunged on that um, demo. But then in the last two weeks, they announced and launched a massive range of AI tools, including Google Bard, B-A-R-D, which is their answer to ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. And it's actually every bit as good, if not better than ChatGPT. And there's one massive advantage. Its content is right up to date and it's able to search the web live where ChatGPT can only search its own language database. Right. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you is where's all this information that ChatGPT users comes from? When, is it people inputting it? Is it from the World Wide Web? Where is it getting this information from? It's all pulled from the World Wide Web, which is the reason uh, there's the concern about uh, plagiarism. Mm. And uh, the one big advantage Google uh, Bard has over ChatGPT is after it's produced the article that you asked it to write, it then also gives you the sources that it used. And you can go to those sources, check their veracity, check the accuracy of the information it's given you, and you can make sure it hasn't replicated the content from those sources. Because the moment it's replicated the content, it's uh, plagiarism. Yeah. I mean, I remember doing my varsity years carrying floppy disks to the, oh. to the library to go and do my assignment. And if the Indeed. floppy just died, I was finished. I'd cry for the rest of the afternoon. I can only imagine how this will aid students today but i also remember back then there was a lot of plagiarism with young people and i don't know why but i feel like this sort of opens the door for a lot of that it does very much open the door it very much creates the likelihood of a, an entirely new generation of uh, students 
and um, users claiming to have written content at a level that was never possible before. Mm. But again, bear in mind that when the World Wide Web became widely accessible, it had exactly that same issue. People using Wikipedia, for example. So the web itself uh, raised that issue of people copying and pasting information from the web. Wikipedia took it to another level where it almost summarized the world's information that you could go to one source to get it. However, there were a lot of tools to check on plagiarism. The actual plagiarism checking tools yeah. that essentially defeated that approach and exposed uh, the cheats. And the same will happen with um, the generative AI. Already there are tools like that. The one that I've used uh, from time to time is called gpt0.me and allows you to type in a chunk of content that you've received from someone and it then tells you the likelihood that it's um, actually been uh, plagiarized. Hmm. Um, and it gives you that a percentage likelihood that it's being produced by AI. It's hard to fool it uh, without actually taking that content and reworking it in your own words. I've tested it on, on, on a few pieces of content and it's fairly uh, accurate. And in the future, those tools will get better and better. So another thing that's kind of creepy is this wave of AI, but with voice, right? So about two weeks ago, I heard songs that were sang by Mariah Carey, by Kanye West, that were never, ever sang by these people. Um, they were able to take their voices and artificially, you know, make them sing songs they never made. And that for me is quite scary, considering I'm a voice artist and that's part of my income. It, it would be really scary that someone could take this recording and create, you know, a voiceover or an animation, you know, voiceover and make an income out of it. I guess my question is, with the voice elements of it, does that at all scare or should, should that scare us? That should scare you um, indeed. But again, it comes down to that uh, creative um, element and making yourself even more human because... A song, yes, it can produce, produce a song that can be made to sound like Mariah uh, Carey, for example. And there are actually a, a few lawsuits underway at the moment against people who've created songs using someone else's likeness of the uh, voice. So, um, yes, it can be a threat. But in the case of high-profile artists, if anyone tries to copy them, chances are the uh, legal action will uh, quickly shut those down. Yeah. Um, also, the fans will hopefully uh, reject those efforts once they are um, exposed. So it means artists have to be very vigilant. If they don't reveal that it's AI and they try to release it as a regular uh, podcast, then it's going to take a lot of work to make it come across as creative and as human as what you are producing uh, right now. Right. Now, are there any plans for governments or bodies to regulate chat GPT or AI in general, considering, like you said, the legalities with people just taking stuff and passing it as their own or creating uh, situations where, you know, people had conversations that never happened? Do you know of anything? Nothing in South Africa yet, but globally there's a, there are a lot of initiatives around uh, regulating the use of AI and there's a lot of calls also to regulate its use. Can ChatGPT function without human intervention and input? Uh, oh, yes, it can. I mean, they can just leave it to run now. They can also set it to uh, learn from all the information that's been input. 
So supposedly these are self-learning tools that learn from all the input they're given, and that can result from, uh, in people giving away company secrets and those secrets being then shared with uh, others, for example. But OpenAI insists that it only learns from the content that they themselves give it access to, okay. uh, which doesn't give one much source of comfort because other tools will uh, use the, uh, the content that they're given yeah. in order to uh, learn. And can it steal stuff that you've put in? So, for example, if you've written like original stuff and you just wanted to make it sound better or whatever. That's exactly what's already happened with uh, someone putting in a company document and asking oh, you to edit gosh. the document. And that information then became available to other people. <gasps> my goodness. Okay, that's very scary. <laughs> so here's the privacy and safety question. Is it safe for children or should we keep our kids away from this thing? It should be safe for children because most of them have um, blocks and checks and balances built in to prevent uh, certain kinds of content, but a good prompt engineer can get past, past that. And I've no doubt that kids are going to be among our best prompt engineers in the coming years. Wow. So would you say, what would the future of AI and ChatGPT be, especially for young people and like parents who are possibly listening to this podcast and thinking, whew, if some of these jobs are going to be redundant in two years, never mind 10 years, where should I be steering my kids? So there's several futures. And in terms of steering the kids, you can look at what are the hardest jobs of all for robots and AI to take over. And this actually comes from a study that was done something like uh, seven years ago by Oxford University and National Public Radio. They collaborated to look at what aspects of a job are easier to automate than others and how that affects specific jobs. And they looked at which jobs are likely to be taken over by either robots or AI. And um, at that stage in Japan, there was a huge craze for robot waiters or waitrons. Uh, there was a, a robot called Pepper that was being produced in the tens of thousands and sold to uh, fast food restaurants and it was replacing waiters and waitresses. Based on that, they said that there was a 93% chance of waiters and waitresses having their jobs uh, automated. But I think that we changed now because it turned out that paper was way too expensive for the world it was uh, playing and it was a novelty and people eventually wanted to deal with humans. But the jobs that would have almost no likelihood of being automated were architects. That was like 1.8%. Mechanical engineers, 1.1%. And choreographers, 0.4%. That's almost nothing. Also, along with choreographers, the other one at the very uh, bottom was physicians and surgeons, 0.4% chance of being automated. And people are surprised when they see that because they say, but what about all these robot surgeons that have emerged? Well, when you look at the use of robot surgery, it is only used as a tool to assist real surgeons in doing their jobs better. Mm. And in terms of that, that list, there's a long chart they produce. And right at the bottom of the chart are jobs like recreational therapists, audiologists, occupational therapists, dietitians and nutrition, nutritionists, psychologists, dentists. And this one you're going to love, elementary school teachers. Wow. Those are jobs that AI simply cannot replace because there is such intensive human interaction needed. So wherever you need human interaction, it's going to 
be a job that's safe from AI, but going to be transformed by AI at the same time, AI and robots will make all of these jobs easier and better. Imagine a elementary school teacher who gets asked, why is the sky blue? And they didn't learn that um, in um, education college. They type that into uh, chat GPT and they say, tell me what to tell children why the sky is blue, for example. Mm. AI then helps them to become better teachers and to engage better with their students. And that's the key to the use of AI in any job in the future is that if it can make you better at your job, then it becomes your ally Mm -hmm. and your assistant, not your enemy and your threat. Right. Now, I want to zone in a little bit more in onto you know South Africa. So many things happen worldwide that kind of work in those first world environments that don't necessarily work in you know countries like ourselves or in third world countries where the dynamics on the ground are very different and the opportunities are very few. I ask this question because AI is clearly there to help as you said those who are skilled it can make your job better. But I, I look at an example of a friend of ours who, who runs his own small business who used to outsource, for example, creating websites. He would outsource the, the writing of the introduction page, the writing of this, the writing of that, putting this together, logos, da 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 All of this was outsourced to different people who do that for him. Now he's openly said, I don't use anyone anymore. I'm using ChatGPT and alike to do the same job and I'm spending way less And now, obviously, in the context of South Africa, the amount of jobs dropping by the wayside at such a rapid time, at a rapid pace, uh, could be detrimental for a country such as ours. No? Yes and no. So that uh, example you gave is is also actually an example of some of the things that we do. Uh, Like I publish an online magazine called Gadget, very tightly staffed, very tightly uh, run. And about a third of the content comes from press releases that we receive from technology companies. But every one of those press releases I have to edit. Now what I do is I throw it into ChatGPT and I say rewrite this as a news story. And it's not ChatGPT's content that is generated, it's content I've given it, asked it just to work it into a, a more reader-friendly uh, format and then I publish it. What that is doing is it's saving me a huge amount of time. It's making me more productive. It's hopefully going to make my publication more profitable, and then I'm going to hire more people to write more original content because original content is actually the differentiator in online publishing. In terms of search engine optimization, you know, people finding your content in a search engine and clicking through to it and increasing your traffic, the more original your content is, the more traffic uh, you're going to get. So by being more productive, I can find myself producing more original content and then being able to afford to commission more original content as well. By using AI where it helps me to be more productive, saving me time, it also then ultimately results in in us relying more on humans or being able to employ more humans. Yeah. So my final question to you, what do you say to anyone who is worried about ChatGPT taking their job? Learn how to use ChatGPT to do your job better. (laughs) short and sweet (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know it kind of brings me back to when computers came around you know back in the late 70s uh, for for South Africa early 80s 
people were scared. Computers are coming. Computers, we're not going to have jobs. We're not going to have jobs. Um, and if we look back to where we are today with computers and how they've aided us and created other forms of careers, I mean, 10 years ago, you wouldn't have had a social media manager and all these different you know, career paths that have come up. Uh, I guess some, when something is new, it's very scary. But once you learn how to master it, it can actually aid you in you becoming a master. Absolutely. And uh, an example of a lot of entrepreneurship that came about through the computer age was uh, kids who would start selling computers out of, out of their bedrooms, for example, or they would go around fixing adults' computers or fixing their computer problems because they understood it uh, and the adults didn't. Uh, for example, in, in the short term, that's exactly what's going to happen with AI. You're going to ask uh, the kids to come and sort out your AI issues uh, for you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the example I gave you earlier, that new job description of prompt engineers, I'm convinced you're going to find a lot of high school kids going around offering for a very low rate to do people's prompt engineering for them. I love it. Well, Arthur, thank you so much for your time. I mean, you've just unpacked something that was, to be honest, when I started this conversation, I was very nervous. Um, but now fully understanding the potential it has to to bring more income, bring more opportunities. It's definitely put a smile on my face. But I, I do also have, I understand why some would be still very reserved about it, just from, you know, plagiarism perspective. One has to balance those concerns with the massive potential that it has. Well, there you have it. Well, technology expert, Arthur Goldstock, thank you so much for your time and unpacking Thanks, Carol, this conversation. Fun. Thank you. I had a good time too. Thank you. And now we know. If you enjoyed my podcast, please follow or subscribe to it via ecr.co.za under podcasts. And then you'll get alerts about new episodes. And please don't keep the Carol of Foreign podcast to yourself. Let's make the circle bigger. You can also email your big questions to my producer, Rory, at ecr.co.za.